Toasties. I'm Missy, here with my bestie, Johnsy. Hey, y'all. And welcome to our Toasted Shenanigans. (laughs) 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 If you guys haven't noticed, we sound a little cleaner. (laughs) We upgraded. We's upgraded. We got new mics. We are professionals. (laughs) Trying to be. (laughs) We can't get our shit together today. No. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's been a day and a half. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Like, my, yours was stressful because of work. Mm -hmm. Mine was stressful because I just felt like I was running the fuck everywhere. It was ridiculous. Living that mom life. Well, like, today was my day off, and I was just like doing all the things Mm -hmm. all the things because it's supposed to rain this weekend and i'm off this weekend so i don't want to like run around doing errands when it's like raining so like i did all the errands i had a doctor's appointment this morning and i was i just felt like i was all over the place i was barely home and it drove me insane it was my day off i wanted a nap and i wanted to sit in the sun because it was fucking 90 degrees which you know that's my Mm -hmm. weather yep you know that's my weather. Lizard person. I'm not a lizard. <laughs> it's actually pretty comfortable in the house today. Yeah, I lost the battle. <laughs> I'm freezing half the time. I'm surprised I'm not wearing my sweater. I'm surprised too. <laughs> I'm so stressed out I didn't realize how cold I was. <laughs> now I'm aware of it. God damn it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. So, uh, you shared some fun news with me the other day. Uh, oh, yeah. We got a fan, a fangirl. Yeah. Fangirl. Yeah. And who, what? Who? Oh, it's one of my coworkers, her yes. mom. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say thanks. Her name is, I believe, Janie. It's Janie. Janie. We're saying hi. Hi, Janie. Thank you. <laughs> That was awesome to hear. I was so stoked when you said that. Um, also, I don't know. I found it funny. <laughs> I don't know why. I get uncomfortable with compliments sometimes. I don't know how to handle them. <laughs> it's like, oh, I really like your dress. It has pockets. Yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> that's go-to. That's that's me. Oh, my gosh. I love a dress with pockets, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time, like, Sean will tell me, oh, you look really nice today. I'm like. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I can't take a comic and save my life. Oh, like, what'll stare at me? I'm like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you looking at? Do I have something in my teeth? Like, what's he's going like, on? He's like, I'm just looking to admire your beauty. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ready to fight him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, guys. So, That's probably most women, though. I, You know, there's so many memes about it. So I'm going to assume that is yeah. the case. That is definitely the case. <laughs> All right, so if you guys are just tuning in now, uh, you need to go back and listen because we're in a part two mm-hmm. for the slacker <laughs> <laughs> calling you out, calling you out. So we're on part two of the Beatrice Six. Now, I notice um, we say doozy a lot. At least I say doozy. I'm I not saying say, I do not use the I word s- doozy. <laughs> I say doozy a lot. I I said doozy so many times in the last episode. So and um. Um and doozy Uh, um, doozy. apparently are the um, water sipping words. Yes. So you hear um or doozy, and I said it at least 10 times, so there's, you know, at least eight ounces 
Uh, <laughs> take a sip of your water. What are you drinking? You're double fisting. <laughs> I am double fisting. <laughs> I've got one of each. We got Sonic Waters. Hard yes. seltzer. Yes. Sonic we got, Waters. We got Sonic Waters. Uh, let's see. We got Melon Melody and Ocean Water over here. Mm. You were melon. saying they're like sour? The melon one's kind of sour. I'm excited to try that one. I can't take a sip off of yours because you're getting no, over I'm cold. No, I'm getting over cold, yeah. It's my, my throat's all a little, or my voice, it's a little raspy. A little. A little. A I little. sound like a, a, I've been smoking a whole pack today. <laughs> Maybe you have been with your day. I sound, sound like my my beautiful mother-in-law. <laughs> Shalon, <laughs> go give me a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> I love you, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, she listens. Yeah, she <laughs> Um, she'll appreciate it <laughs> i have i'm double fisting it over here too apparently um i had the mango guava which are my two most favorite i love anything guava you love anything tropical i do yeah i'm a tropical person mm. i'm not a lizard i'm tropical <laughs> and orange pineapple the mango guava is good on its own um the orange pineapple was okay, but I did, like we said in the last episode of doing the Mio, mm-hmm. in this, I tried that. I had the orange vanilla Mio inside there. Fucking delicious. Do it, guys. See? Do it. If you're not into the hard seltzers because it's just, you know, the hint of flavor and it fucking sucks, add that Mio. It gives it that extra flavor. It does give it that aspartame taste, though, but it is good. I like it. All right, let's get to it, guys, because this this is a long one. This this might be a little bit longer, um, because when I decided to break these up, I apparently did it all fucking wrong. <laughs> but no, uh, you just left us at a cliffhanger. I did. It's okay. I did leave you guys <laughs> at a cliffhanger. So on to the show. <laughs> so batch of six, six people have just been arrested for a crime they didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an s- assumption that they were all friends, some sort of gang. But to be honest, most of them did not know each other. Did most of them all make like false confessions too? We'll get to that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, Kathy was the last to be arrested, as I said before. Um, and out of, with her, she literally pretty much knew none of them except for Joseph. Okay. Joseph's the only one she knew. And the reason she knew Joseph is because at one point he was one of her roommates. And she describes him as a very polite guy. Um, he was always picking up after himself. And she would, like, pretty much, like, the apartment's all yours. Like, it is mine. If you need to use the shower, go for it. And he would just be like, nah, I'm good. And that was, like, the one thing he would, she would, like, constantly offer him a shower. And he would just be like, no, nah, I'm all right. And finally, like, one day, she's like, dude, I could fucking smell you out in the hallway. You need to take a shower. Like, go bathe yourself. I cannot live with somebody who smells this bad. And he's just like, okay. And just packed his shit and left. What the fuck? Like, dude left for the streets rather than take a shower. Oh, that's disturbing. So he was, uh, he was a little, little, little smelly. Kathy moved away at the end of 1985. And that's how that bra got into the garbage. Okay. 
she was just packing shit up, throwing things out, mm-hmm. and her bra was just something that she threw out. And that's how they found that. That's why they found that bra there. By 1989, um, when arrested, she was actually in Denver. And her lawyer told her, unless you have an alibi that is good as sleeping with the Pope, you're going to jail. And the only oh, choice shit. only choice you have is about how long. Oh. Yeah. So, quick recap. We have Joseph White, Deborah Sheldon, Sheldon Kathy Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Joanne Taylor, Tom Winslow, and James Dean. Those are the six that were arrested. They were all held without bail. Richard Smith, ironically, they call him Dick, mm-hmm. which is funny because he's a dick. And mm-hmm. you'll really learn how much of a dick he is. He really put pressure on all six to do a plea deal. And he was just described as this power-abusing ass. Mm. Like, he was the county attorney. Mm-hmm. And he apparently had, like, this badge that had a number one on it to let everyone know he is the number one attorney of Gage County. Oh. Like, that's how much of a dick he was. Little douche canoe there. Little douche canoe. But it's funny that his name is Dick because he was a dick. He took his name to heart. Good on him. If you're going to do something, do it right. Absolutely. Um. So, Deborah was, um. he he put that push to, for everybody to, to do a plea deal. Mm-hmm. And Deborah was the first to make a guilty plea deal, and then James, and then Kathy. Now, naturally, um, they give the best deals to those who plea first. Like you get the, they get the best, like the best deal. So it's like, oh, if you plead guilty, you'll get, you know, this many years, or mm-hmm. this many years. And obviously, the first person to do it gets the, uh, gets the best deal. Of course, uh, and it kind of dwindles down from there, um, and. Uh, they all kind of at first were at a standstill, like seeing who's going to take the bait, who's going to do it first, who's going to. I'm sorry, guys, if you hear my paper rustling, who's going to like do it? Deborah was the first, then Kathy and James. Uh, Dick told Tom's lawyer either make a plea deal or he's getting the death penalty. Mm. Yeah. Joanne also was facing the death penalty unless she took a plea deal for second degree murder, um, is what they wanted her to plea for. Okay. Because with a second degree murder, uh, death penalty is, yes, off is, the table. is off the table. And her lawyer at this point, he saw it as taking the deal was saving her life. So he kind of felt like his hands were tied yeah. at this point. So both Tom and um, Joanne took their deals. Joseph, again, he remained with his innocence and denied any deals. He took none of them. He, Joanne, Deborah... And James, they all ended up testifying against Joseph. And Joram said that she held a pillow over Helen's head so she wouldn't see who was raping her because that kind of vision haunts you. Helen's family got to listen to each testimony, and it was just really hard for them. But the worst one was the coroner's testimony. Ooh, I can imagine. Because that was, they said it was like living in the moment. They got to see the pictures and the explanations. Oh, gosh. I could not, I could not be there for that. Yeah, I couldn't, I didn't even think about that. Like, Mm-mm. you would think hearing the people who supposedly did it, their yeah. testimonies, but the coroner was the actually their their worst one. Yeah, because it doesn't leave much yeah. left for the imagination not yeah. to discover, so. Yeah, one of the grandsons, um, when he was present, said that he 
it took everything in him not to just jump up and like yeah I can imagine he's, he's like I'm not that person my grandmother would never want me to be that person but like that's all I could think about doing and his name was Bob um after the jury deliberated they obviously were all found guilty Deborah James Kathy they were all sentenced to 10 years Joanne got 40 years Tom got 50 years and Joseph got life in prison Oy. yeah and after everything was done Helen's family ended up they felt relief Obviously, because they think the people that hurt their grandmother, that they were yeah. convinced. Trusting the authorities, doing their job, would actually do their job. Yes, they felt just massive relief. And they ended up giving Bert a gun with an engravement on it, basically saying thank you for what you did for our family. Bert. Can they get a, a reimbursement on that? <laughs> well, just just you wait. Oh, gosh. Um, Bert got lots and lots of praise. Um. After this was all said and done, he was considered a hero. He, because again, as a reminder, like this was a small town, mm-hmm. twelve thousand people. They were scared. Bert seemed to be the only one who was doing anything mm-hmm. about the case. It really seemed like everybody else was really incompetent. He's the one who found them. He's the one who put them behind bars. They got up on that stand. They testified, saying that this is what happened. Didn't you say, though, too, Bert was, like, a family friend or something, too, as well? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So, Kathy said she read a lot of true crime novels. She's like, but in this moment, she realized that she now is a true crime novel. Yeah. And it, she can't look at them like she used to. Oh, that would suck. Yeah. Joseph was known as the clown of his family. He stated he was innocent. And he stood on that, and so did his family. Good on him. His family did not let that go. Good. Um, Joseph was in Korea for three years, and then he was in Hollywood. He always thought himself as, like, the lone wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the Lobo came from. He thought gotcha. he, he thought he was a Lobo. But his mom was just like, that boy is never a Lobo. He was always the guy who was looking out for the little guy. Mm. He was always the one who was standing up for things. Um, Joseph's mother, she resented everybody who testified against him, and though even those who didn't testify. Um, and she told him this, and his response is, but, quote, but mama, you don't know what they've been through, end quote. Oh, it takes a big man to think of it like that, especially in his shoes. I think, honestly, him being in the military, he knew what they were yeah. trying to do. He yeah, knew. Yeah, definitely. He knew. He's already dealt with all the politics anyway, so mm-hmm. it's not much different. No, he knew, and he knew what they'd been through because of that. And he knows He knows Joanne, and he did know Tom. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is, those three did know each other. Um, and then I think like s- some of them knew the others. The only one who knew nobody was Kathy. The only person she did know was Joe. Joe did have like a knowing of each person, mm-hmm. but he didn't know, know them. Yeah. They were just like acquaintances. They passed by yeah. each other. Yeah. After about five years, Kathy, Deborah, and James were released. So they, out of the 10-year sentence, they, they only did five years. They mm. basically 
um, were like eyewitness testimonies. And, but because they were present at the time is why they still had to serve time. Yeah, because they didn't report anything. Report anything. Yeah. yeah, because by the time this all happened, it's 1989. Yeah, so now they're considered an accomplice. Four years later down the road of after this crime was committed, Deborah was afraid to go back to Beatrice because of being ridiculed. Um, Kathy, I don't blame her. Yeah, Kathy, she tried to quickly go back to getting her life together she would go to work and every job interview she went all they would ask her about was the crime she did oh gosh um and james had a hard time getting work too kathy finally got a job and she would like to go in early to read the paper before work and one day when she went to work she saw joseph's face on the front page of the paper and she was just triggered just triggered um She's probably afraid something, like, it might come back on her and she ends up going back. Yeah. But, like I said, he never let go of being innocent. And his parents would always visit him once a year. And they said he always had a smile on his face. So he never Mm. let go of hope. And during his time in prison, he was fighting for his innocence. And after years and years of meeting with all these different lawyers... Um, and being rejected, he finally got a business card for Doug Stratton, who was like his third or second or third attorney that he had worked with to hire for his appeal because he was appealing. Mm-hmm. But nobody wanted to take on that case. Absolutely not. Finally, we have Mr. Doug Stratton. Doug wasn't optimistic for talking to a guy to talk about a murder that happened in 1985. And by the time Joseph got Doug, <clears throat> excuse me. It was 2005. Oh. So he got arrested in 89. And this is 2005 when he finally gets dug. Odds were low. Yes. Um, Doug said, when you do crime long enough, though, you have a meter. You have a belief meter. And when you talk to people, you'll know. You'll pick mm-hmm. up on it, whether you're saying the truth or not. And... um. He's like, one way or another, you're just going to figure it out. And when he talked to Joseph, he believed him. He's like, I don't know what it is, uh, but you you just have this – you have to believe him. He said that he was very calm. There was no nervousness when they talked about the crime and talked about what was going on and what they were dealing with. He just said that there was just a belief to Joseph that you just couldn't help but believe him. Yeah. So he asked um, Joseph – in a case like this, there, there should have been a lot of DNA. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't there, they're going to know about it. <clears throat> His um, So, like, did they check DNA? And he's like, ah, no. They never did. Well, I don't know if DNA was a big thing quite yet. It was? Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll get to that. Sorry, guys, for that pop in your ear. Um... <clears throat> Doug thought this is wild, like three eyewitnesses, testimonies, and Joseph says he wasn't there. But again, there's just something you have to believe about Joseph when you speak with him. Like, there's no way he could be lying. So Tom never testified when it came to his trial. He never testified. He never even went to trial. He just took his sentence and... He never went to did any of it. And he has no regrets for what he did in that situation. And I think it was just because he couldn't face it. Okay. Um, 
he was about 14 years into his sentence when he was told that he had an attorney visit. And mm-hmm. he's like, I haven't talked to my attorney in years. Like, you got the wrong guy. Wrong Tom. It's not me. And they're like, no, this is you. And he's like, no, I'm, I haven't seen my attorney in years. It's not for me. And they're like, no, seriously, this attorney visit's for you. It's a lawyer. He wants to speak with you. It was Doug. Doug went to see him. He told him that he wanted to um, talk for a bit. But if, if Tom doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. And um, But he just has a couple of questions to him. And he told him, he's like, believe it or not, I spoke with Joseph. He hired me because Joseph claims that he's innocent and he wasn't there. And Tom just starts crying. Aww. He just starts crying. And he's just like, I wasn't either. He's like, I don't think you were. He's like, Aww. but no one believes me. He probably feels really relieved in that moment. That's why he's crying. And Doug just looked at him. He's like, I don't believe you were there either. So Doug files a motion for DNA testing. Okay. And um, guess who's still the county attorney? Oh, fucking hell. Dick. Good, Good old Dick. Dick Smith. And he argued against allowing the DNA testing to happen for this case. Of course he fucking did. He bought it. And Doug's first initial reaction was just like, if you know they were there, what do you have to hide? Exactly. Why are you trying to prevent this DNA thing from happening? And Dick just said, nope, we don't want to. So they had to appeal to the Supreme Court of Nebraska, Mm -hmm. which this took years it does. It takes a very long time. Well, it also doesn't happen when you have a big old dick in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, things changed, however, when Dick finally had somebody who ran against him and Dick lost. And that was Randy Rittenor. Woohoo! He comes in as the new Gage County attorney. Dick had, like, nobody running against him for years, which is why he stayed in the position that yeah. he was in. Um. So on Randy's first day in office, every single computer in that office was wiped clean. Oh, wow. Erased. Everything. Gone. And um, so Randy knew nothing of the Beatrice Six and pretty much had to learn from the Nebraska Supreme Court because um, they did rule that the DNA was relevant and to go ahead and do the testing. Oh, that's surprising. <clears throat> yeah well like i said the only person that was stopping it from really happening was dick Dick, yeah uh so they did end up going and running the dna randy and doug ended up going down to the evidence room to see what was there and good on the beatrice beatrice pd they did a wonderful job at preserving all the evidence oh that's surprising too <laughs> so they chose a random 13 items for testing and randy was sure the dna was gonna match joseph and Tom. And they also decided to go ahead and uh, test James as well. Okay. So they ended up going, as 2008, James came home to a man waiting for him. And it was a private investigator asking for his DNA. And obviously James didn't believe him and did tell them that he really thought Joseph and Tom did this. Like, they were they were guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, DNA takes months and Doug feels, believes that um, Joseph and Tom, but you just never know. Like, mm-hmm. he believes what they're saying, but he, at the same time, you just always have that hinder of, like, but what if? 
It took three years for Joseph's DNA to be tested. From the time that he got the lawyer to the mm-hmm. time that the DNA was finally approved to be tested. Three years. Because a dick. <clears throat> and when Doug finally got the DNA, he ended up taking that call. And lo and behold, it was not Tom's. It was not Joseph's or James. Oh, what a surprise. They were eliminated. And everybody was just dumbfounded that they did not do the sexual assault. See, now, as I said, and this is you guys getting a little preview. All they were testing for was the blood. Yeah. They never tested DNA. <clears throat> when the lawyers heard the news, they start like all the original lawyers. They really started questioning, like. How much did we screw up? How much did we really fuck this up? Mm-hmm. And I felt bad that they felt this way. But there's a reason for that, and I'll kind of get in a little bit more to that I was later. About to say, I don't, I don't get that feeling, but continue. Yeah. So Helen's family was starting to move on, and this just ended up ripping the rug out from underneath them when they heard this news. And mm. naturally, like fucking naturally mm-hmm. you thought you got your justice you got your peace you got your closure and now you're being told oops oops <laughs> yeah like <clears throat> oh lord Bert thought how he didn't believe the results he believes in dna just not those results which i thought was funny the police chief said that the, we can't just let these people stay in prison Like, we got to get them out. But Randy said that there's a lot to do before we can release them. They did contact Helen's family about this and said just because there isn't DNA evidence doesn't mean that they weren't there. And because they were just testing the sex DNA, Mm -hmm. basically. And they don't have anything to worry about. And obviously wounds are open because this did reopen the whole case. Absolutely, as it should. Yes. At this point, Randy is wondering how this could happen. Five people who admitted and took plea bargains for a crime they didn't commit. You do question. Mm-hmm. You do question. Um, Tina Bath was a dispatcher in Beatrice who ended up becoming a special investigator for Beatrice Police Department. She was always just asking the questions, getting involved in things, and she figured, you know what? Might as well start doing this. Might as well become an officer. So she became an officer. The first people she had met when she moved to Beatrice was in 1995 was Bert and his wife. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, like, Bert's still considered a hero. Like, he walks into any place in Beatrice and they're like, hey, Bert, oh, my gosh, party. It's Bert, the man who saved us. You know? So she really looked up to Bert for solving Helen's case because it was just notorious out there like it was a big deal um and tina was always curious about the beatrice six case she was always asking questions and always you know wanting to know more about it late in 2007 randy comes to her office and lets her know about the dna and she thought this is a huge problem with this case 
when it became known that the DNA didn't match, the county attorney, Randy, wanted someone who wasn't familiar with the case to investigate with fresh eyes and work mm-hmm. work it. And instantly, Tina's like, me. Yeah. Let me do it. Being that she looked up to Bert and being that, um, he, you know, she really thought he was such this big hero. She – sorry, guys. If you hear me rustling again, she just wanted to, like, really – back him up in this situation um so they were going to either go to reconvict the six or find out why the dna wasn't matching that was the initial like goal so they end up going down getting all the evidence out they pinned up all the pictures made it look like you're walking into the crime scene so printed everything pinned them all up um one thing that stood out to tina was that some of the testimonies did not match up just to the regular crime scene photos. Mm. Um, there was a testimony that they were going to rob this woman. Yeah. If you remember. The apartment wasn't ransacked, though. The only thing that was that footstool was knocked over. That's it. Otherwise, the apartment was still sitting. The way it was. Yeah. Also, there was twelve thousand or twelve hundred dollars found at the apartment. Apartment. So it definitely wasn't a robbery. Yeah, robbery clearly was not the motive. Clearly, this was a sexual motive crime. Um, it was said that Joanne held a pillow over Helen's face to hide who was raping her. Mm-hmm. But how was she going to see when she had a scarf wrapped around her face? Oh shit! I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was also said that six coffee mugs were sitting out because the coffee was made. There was only one coffee mug out, but there were a few, like, regular drinking glasses. Hmm. And these are just from her looking at the photos. So this should have been questions in the fucking beginning. Tina thought Bert would have noticed all of this, but later she learned... No one from the sheriff's office, including Bert, looked at any of that information. Looked at the photos. They just read the case notes. Of course so. Yeah. Uh, so next thing they knew, Bert also is under investigation. Uh, Bert actually left the police department under a cloud. He, When he left, he actually was not as buddy-buddy with them as he thought. They didn't like him. Oh, okay. He left to become a hog farmer. Um, That's a big change. Yeah. The police department was actually very upset that he was doing his own investigation the way that he did um, when he had no authority to do so. The police department didn't think he was that good of an investigator, so they were instructed not to cooperate with Bert at all. When Bert joined the sheriff's department... Which would explain why he went to the sheriff's department and not back to the police department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, which I didn't think about until later. Um, the sheriff's department just completely hijacked the case. They took it over. Um, they ended up building their entire investigation off of Lisa's statement. The girl who mm-hmm. first came to. And when Tina looked into Lisa's statement, that was another red flag. Um, she said the conversation between her and Joanne happened at 7.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. But the crime wasn't reported until 
So how were all those police officers outside that building at 7.30 when nobody even knew what happened until 9.30? Everything Lisa told Bert was actually already in the media. Oh, boy. 2008, Tina interviewed Lisa and confronted her with these, like, discrepancies. And she had no explanation for them. Funny, huh? Of course not. She was asked if she was willing to take a polygraph test, and she refused and stopped talking to Tina and wouldn't talk to her again. And they end up going to um, her home later, to Lisa's home later, Mm -hmm. to talk a little bit more, and her husband kicked him off their yard. And she hasn't been able to get a hold of Lisa ever since. Hmm. Funny coincidence, huh? Yeah. 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 Because after going police reports, it was found that Lisa and Joanne were never friends. They had um, multiple physical altercations between the two of them. Remember the Kmart watch stolen that yes. Lisa yes. Yeah, snitched on her for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they weren't friends. So, again, why would Joanne tell Lisa something so personal, like committing such a huge crime, if they're not friends? She wouldn't. Exactly. And these are just small chips into the case that tina has found yeah she's just getting started she hasn't even really dove quite in yet yeah yeah um tina then moved to watching the interview tapes and was just shocked at what she saw joanne's was first um and when joanne was first asked about everything joanne's descriptions were all wrong the car she described was, a, I think, a brown instead of a dark green. Mm-hmm. Um, the house that she described was a one-story home instead of the apartment, a red-brick apartment. That's a big, that's a big fucking difference. Just all wrong. Um, but then all of a sudden the video would stop and then start. And then all of a sudden Joanne's story would match. It's funny how investigators like to do that. Mm-hmm. They saw this often. Um, another example, Deborah was asked if she saw Tom have sex with Helen, and she's like, no. And they asked if she was sure, and she's like, yes. And all of a sudden, like, a guy was like, I'm going to stop the tape real quick. I-, I need to get a new one. So they stop the tape, and then it starts back up, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's Bert being like, all right, we're picking up from where we last left off with this. Um, and he goes, you are... And it's like, quote, you are stating Mr. Winslow had raped Helen Wilson. That's according to what you're telling us. Is that correct? End quote. And she's like, yes. (laughs) So who knows what happened in between that? It was one of the most incompetent interrogations they've ever come across. And they realized in each video, Bert was feeding them key information about the case during the videos and then asking what they knew about the case. There was a situation with um, Joanne where, because she kept saying there was another boy. She could not remember his name. She just said there was another boy. There was another boy. And could not remember his name. And Bert was like dropping hints. And because he was trying to get her to say Tom Winslow. Mm -hmm. And eventually she got, I think, the word Tom. But she couldn't remember the last name. 
And he literally was like, have you ever seen a windmill? She was what like, the fuck? Because it sounds almost like Winslow. Windmill, Winslow. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they think the Tina and everybody believed that the suspects probably believed that once they gave the information, they get to go home. Like, you can see in sometimes that they are just tired. Mm-hmm. But obviously that wasn't the case. Tom did have, because Tom had his, his story back when he was in jail for the other crime he was in. Okay. Uh, that I talked about in episode yeah. one. Yeah. Tom did have a second video. And in this second video, he recanted everything. And Bert just loses it. Of course he fucking did. He fucking loses it. He just goes ballistic. He gets angry and he's like, I'm not going to fucking believe a thing you're saying. I got other people telling me that you butt fucked her. Oh my God. Yeah. He just loses it and Tom's panicking. He's like, I'm, why would I lie about this? Like, I'm not going to sit there and say I did a crime I didn't commit and possibly die. You could just hear and see the terror in Tom. And like I said before, too, is Tom was younger than all of them. Yeah. He was a kid. Um, After watching the tapes, they determined further testing needed to be done because there's no weight in these interviews. None. So they sent out another 30-ish items for testing. And a few weeks um, they all start coming back in. And again, none of these matched any of the six. That's a lot of items to test to and none of it matches. None. Jesus. Yeah. This is when they realized that they really did have the wrong people and something needed to be done. Now, Deborah, James, and Kathy, they're all out at this point. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing they could really do with them at the moment. Um, they weren't expecting all six were innocent, but they also figured every day that they're in prison is a day that they shouldn't be. So for Joanne, they tried to get her parole. Joseph, the court ordered a retrial. So he was released and Tom was released. He was 23 when he went into jail. And at this point is now 42. That fucking sucks. That's almost half his life. Yeah. Unfortunately, it happens to way too many people. Way too many people. It's very sad. Bert felt like this was a kick in the teeth mm-hmm. to throw this case like this and release them. Um, and he was hurt by Tina because they were friends. Yeah. Uh, and that she didn't come talk to him first, but to her, she had a job to do and it wasn't about him. And like I said, she really thought like, I'm backing Bert up. I'm backing my friend up. I'm going to prove you guys that Bert was right. I don't think she intended for everything to pan out the way that it panned out. No, I I don't think she did either. But it just sucks that even at this moment, he still can't see what's on the table and decides to still, you know, just think about himself. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. You've done enough thinking about yourself. 
Yeah. Look at what's look at the fucking facts. Yeah. Like sit your ass down. Yeah. Like you just not only just ruin these people's <clears throat> lives, but you cost the state a whole lot of wasted time and wasted money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at this per- point, papers are saying Burt mishandled the case mm-hmm. and that he was incompetent. And I I honestly think because Burt knew the family that Burt led this with his heart. Burt did not put his actual job on there. I think he took it as a personal thing. I think that he he didn't take his emotions out of the case. I mean, obviously later, I think that he also has a hard time of fucking letting go and realizing he fucked up. See, I feel differently. I feel, and maybe it's just because all the cases I see where this shit fucking happens, I feel like he didn't even fucking do it for the family. It was more so just for himself. Pat on the back. Yeah, it was more of like... An ego boost and Oh, whatnot. yeah. Lots of people said that. When this all came out, Bert got a lot of shit. That he was being egotistical and that people... Now, Facebook's around at this time. It's 2006. Yeah. And people are dropping Bert's location. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Unfortunately, Helen's family, again, just like when they learned about Helen passing... They learned about this all through the media. But they are standing with Bert. What the fuck? I'll, ah. I'll explain. I, I'll explain my feel, my theory as to why they did that in a minute. But they have six innocent people. And the actual person is out there. Because when they did the DNA, mm-hmm. there was an unknown male DNA that came back. They found Helen's DNA and an unknown male's DNA. Okay. So they need to figure out who that male is. They have the DNA profile of one male, but who it is is what they need to figure it out. Uh, 2008, they go back to James for some direction, and he names Cliff. Now, Cliff was brought in for questioning Mm -hmm. originally, um, and he stuck to his original story from 1985 that he was in the hospital and that he was not there the day of that crime. Apparently, he was in the hospital the day of the crime. For gonorrhea. <laughs> um, and that's the story he gave again. He gave that, that story twice. Um, but they did ask him, if, you know, if he they could take a DNA sample from him. And he willingly was like, yeah, sure, go for it. I'm innocent. I have nothing to hide. Um, they did have a list of the original suspects and found a few that really stood out to them. Cliff being one. Randy Emery. He had previous convictions of a sexual assault, a bad temper, and family says he's capable of anything such as a rape and murder. Now, remember the profiler? Mm-hmm. Had to have been certain yeah, things. Yeah, certain age that's, and everything like that's that. That's kind of what they were going based off of. Okay. The second person, or the next person they had was Andy Flowers. Um, Andy Flowers knew Kathy, so that would have been how he would have been familiar with the building. He had been in prison for sexual assault as well. And then Bruce Allen Smith. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was another one that was um, uh, that really stood out to them. In 1985, he was the top suspect. He was in the area at the time of the crime. There was a report of him being at a party mm-hmm. at the um, that day. And at the party, a wallet was stolen. And that wallet was found half a block from Helen's home. But remember, 
that he was dropped off near Helen's home, too. Yes, correct. So, uh, but then he skipped out of town right away. Oh, I wonder why. Hmm. He was, uh, but he was dropped over by Helen's. Remember that. Um, all were originally eliminated as a suspect in 1985 because of the blood samples. Because remember, that's all they were looking at? Yes. Yeah. Um, the samples were brought back in 2008, and they resubmitted the samples to test the actual DNA. Now, results trickled in slowly, eliminating one at a time, till a perfect match came in. That perfect match matched all 40 pieces that they ended up getting tested. That perfect match was none other than Bruce... Alan Smith. Oh, I didn't see that coming at all. No. What? Sorry, guys. That was loud. Yeah. Bruce. Good old Brucey. Um, when going back, they learned he came back to Beatrice just a few days before the homicide. He was at that party mm-hmm. and was getting kicked out. He was kicked out of the party because he threatened to rape a girl. What the fuck? Did they not talk to anybody at the said party? Hence why. Well, they kind of did. That's how they found out about Bruce the first time. So nobody mentioned this? Or no, we just just don't acknowledge it. No, we just heard, you know, he said he was going to get a piece of ass one way or another. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. The next day of the homicide, a convenience store clerk reported someone stealing a bag of potato chips. She described basically Bruce. Notice he had scratches up and down his arms and blood on him. <sighs> Gotta love the 80s. Uh, he then got on a Greyhound back to Oklahoma City. Ten days later is when they investigated him and his blood test ruled him out. Now there is a reason his blood test ruled him out. Joyce Gils- Gilchrist was the one who tested his blood. 2001, she was actually fired for multiple mistakes in her testing. Oh, my God. Beatrice PD, they were criticized so much on how they handled this case. But according to Randy, they actually were stellar at what they were doing. Like, they were doing a top-of-the-line job. They just had a bad test come through that dampered everything. I mean, I... Bill Fitzgerald regrets to this day not going to investigate Bruce himself. He's like, but, you know, you test the information you get from the labs. He's like, but that's also why you keep the stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I guess in the 1980s, like, this DNA testing and everything is so new and you really trust it. Because it's like, it's science, and we got this. It's helped so much. Mm. In the, I, I don't know. But he did regret that. Obviously, once they got this information, they're like, we need to arrest him ASAP. Like, mm-hmm. this bitch need to be arrested. So they started planning their approach and um, interviewed his family. And Why? I think they were trying to, like, figure out, like, how to approach. I don't know. I have no idea. But they interviewed his family, and they found... That he actually spent a lot of time with his grandma who lived in that apartment, which I said before, at one point, And he hated her. Remember that uh, profile again? Mm-hmm. He's going to hate. Yeah. Uh, hated her because she was very strict on him. 
He was described as a loner. He was always coming and going. Like, he'd be at home, and all of a sudden, he was gone for weeks, months at a time, and then he'd be back home again. He was born with water on the brain, so he had brain surgery really early as a baby. Okay. Not an excuse, people. Family said they wouldn't put it past him if he did this. So he did not have a relationship with his family. His criminal record was drunken disorderly, mm-hmm. home invasions, rape in 1981, mm. did serve time for these things, and he also was positive for AIDS. Okay. Yeah. After contacting Oklahoma, they learned that he was deceased. That fucking sucks. September 30th, 1992. Dead. You want to know what really pissed me off? When I was doing this, he was married. I don't know why. I don't know why knowing that he married is what really ticked me off the most. Well, probably because you put herself yourself into the wife's shoes and she didn't know any of this. I hope not. She probably saw a good person. I hope not. They were devastated. At this point, it was fully determined that the original six indeed were innocent. No connections to Bruce or the murder were found. So on January 27th, 2009, the six received a full pardon. January 29th of 1989 was when they were arrested. So on January 29th of 2009, it would have have been, you know, 20 years Mm. to the day. When they were called killers. The family of Helen felt cheated when they found out who the real killer was. Um, One of them still strongly believes that the Beatrice Six did do this. Oh my fucking God. Okay. They think that he thinks that Bruce did didn't kill her. He thinks that the Beatrice Six killed Helen and then Bruce came in and kind of did gross things to her. And he said the biggest thing is um, the chain in her house was always locked. And Deborah did know Helen. So she would have never unlocked that, that door had, it, had she not known who that person was. But yeah. here's the thing. Was Helen in the apartment when Bruce's grandmother was in the apartment? Was there a brief moment where maybe they did know each other? I would assume so going back to the coffee pot. Yeah. So he believes that um, that the six were partying together, needed some money. Deborah knew where to go, went to Helen's house, and that's when she died because they killed her. And then Bruce came in, did horrible things to her body. But here's the thing. That makes no sense. The money, the $1,200 that was still in the fucking apartment. That is, still doesn't make any sense because if you go back at all the facts to the case, like, dude, you're literally making up this story in your fucking head. And so the the thing is, I think the reason why is it's, it's closure still at the end of the day. You, I, I don't want to ever be in this, this man's shoes to see what happens to somebody who means so much to you and then end up being like, oh, the peop- these are the people that did it. You hear the testimonies that of what they're saying, and they admitted they did something. And then to find out it was all a lie, and now the man who really did it got to live a, a normal life and die of his own causes. 
I mean, yeah, it sucks, but that still doesn't mean that you still go and point fingers when there's all the facts on the table stating such. I am. Your, your feelings, I'm sorry, at this <clears throat> point don't matter when all these fo- facts are pointing back at you in the face. I, I agree. I agree. I guess I'm, I, I'm a softie. I am not. I know you're not. <laughs> Joseph's family always kept him going. It's why he fought. His mom said that when he got out, he was glued to her for the first week. Of course he, he was. Um, <clears throat> he worked on getting his life back together when he got out. He ended up getting engaged. He loved oh. to ride motorcycles, wanted to travel again, and he loved taking pictures. He wanted to make a coffee table book called American Odyssey, A Man, a Motorcycle, and a Camera, Motorcycle mm-hmm. Tours of America. Because he just wanted to do a motorcycle tour and take pictures. Oh. I know. Um, he had a hard time finding a job. His fiance got him an application at ABC Coal. And one day, Joseph went to work one night for somebody else. He ended up taking somebody else's shift, but somehow got in between a machine and a coal bin and was crushed. No! I know. Oh! I know. Okay, that tugs on my heartstrings. Yeah. I know, me too. I had a really... <sighs> His mom said that that news was harder to hear than when he got arrested. He died March 27th, 2011. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Only about two years after getting out. Joseph, in those two years, though thought they all deserved justice and filed a civil suit. He thought if he got money, cool, but he really wanted to show how Gage County was wrong. Good on him. Jeff Patterson was the civil attorney and worked countless hours for justice for Joseph. Um, And the case started before Joseph had died. But just because Joseph died didn't mean that they stopped fighting that case. Um, Jeff knew it would take a while for this crazy case, but it took 10 years. Wow. 10 years for that case to get to take off. He had to explain how these people falsely confessed. Because at the end of the day, that's what happened. And Gage County, for the longest time, even still to this day, do not believe that they're innocent. Oh, my God. And one person put it, like, I'm like, how the hell do you not fucking see this? And one per- person put it so, like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense as to why. There's people still to this day who believe the earth is flat. Yeah. I know. One. You got all the evidence to prove that it's not. I don't know. And that's how they compared it. And I'm like, that makes sense. That makes sense. A lot of people are fucking ignorant. Joanne, Joseph, Tom, and Kathy were all um, Jeff's clients. James got his own attorney, who was Herb Freeman, who worked together with Jeff. But there's still Deborah. Deborah, even after all the proof, still believed that they did it. Herself believed. What? She was pardoned and still believed. She believed she was there. She believed she was still involved. And um, if they didn't have her in this civil case, that was the one thing they were afraid that the jury was going to ask. Why? So Jeff reached out to um, another attorney of his that he knew, Marin Kolopaka. We'll go with that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Marin. 
um, who she did eventually become, Deborah's civil attorney. Um, but Marin specialized in mental health, and she had to figure out why Deborah believed she was involved. Mm-hmm. And Marin's instincts was to tell Deborah, "You're wrong. You weren't there." Yeah. But she decided to take a different approach and try to be the better advocate for Deborah. And she ended up learning Deborah's backstory, which, like most of them, has a fucked up story. Deborah mm-hmm. grew up in foster care. When she was old enough to find her biological mother, she did. Her biological mother, she ended up living with them. Her biological mother's boyfriend raped her. Mm. Um, and when she confronted it to her mother, her mother said it was her fault. What the fuck? Deborah ended up getting married, having a child with this person, and I, I'm not sure exactly what it had happened, but she ended up being on her own, got a new mm. boyfriend, and the boyfriend was abusing her child. And at first, I <sighs> instantly, unfortunately, my mind went sexual abuse, but it mm-hmm. wasn't sexual abuse. He was beating her child. Either way, it's still fucked up. Oh, absolutely. Um, eventually, the state got involved Good. with the child. Uh, remember me telling you about uh, Dr. Wayne Price? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he was uh, Deborah's psychologist prior to the Beatrice Six case. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, she ended up getting sent to an institute to be evaluated for yeah. her mental health stuff. Um, and he basically said that she was unable to accept the consequences of her actions. Mm-hmm. Um. At some point after everything was all said and done, Deborah lost her child. The state took her kid away. Deborah waited a while to end up remarrying, which she then eventually did remarry Cliff Sheldon. And eventually Deborah wanted another baby. Cliff said no. And Cliff tells, and this story means a lot to us how Deborah's brain works. Cliff tells people that Deborah got him drunk and raped him. He tells people this. And Deborah's response is, well, if he says it, that's what I did. What the fuck? Yeah. She did end up getting her child from him. She got her baby, and she was so happy. Um, Cliff is the one who dropped Deborah's name in the original trial. Remember when he was in trouble for paralyzing the man? Yeah. He figured if he gave this false statement that it would help him in that case. Mm -hmm. Everything he told them um, was already in the media. So he he just ended up throwing her name into the mix. Like, it wasn't anything new that he was giving. They already knew this stuff. He just added her name in. When Marin found all of this out, um, she was shocked. Basically, Deborah is the type of person that if someone says something that she tr- and she trusts that person, then it must be true because they wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. And she cannot, she's not the type to look at authority and be like, this is BS and stand up for herself. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Did they ever test her IQ by chance? It's low. That's what I figured. Yeah, it's low. 2014 is when the trial started. They went over all the evidence, the testimony times, um, the information that was being fed to them, just pretty much everything. The DNA. Now, Dick. Mm. Dick, Dick, Dick. That way we're done with him. (laughs) 
<laughs> Dickalorian. <laughs> Dick got a letter from DNA Cellmark saying that they would love to do the DNA testing for him. Okay. Back in 1989. And? He refused it. Oh, my God. This makes me pull my hair out. He was asked about Mm. this letter because, obviously, they had it. Because it's, you know, attorney general type. Yeah. You know, whatever. They had it. He denied it. Denied it. Denied that he ever saw that letter. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Deborah did have an unrecorded conversation with Dr. Price mm-hmm. before she all of a sudden had her sudden change yeah. in statements. They believe that Bert would review what was going on before they started recording as well. Deborah and James were shown pictures of the crime scene. And Kathy all showed pictures of the crime scene. And when they would get overwhelmed and stuff like that, Dr. Price would tell them, you know, these are traumatic events. These are really serious, scary moments, and your brain is naturally going to block them out. So, you know, just rest, and it might come back to you in a dream. Things like this come back to you in a dream. So, coaching. Yes. Um, with Joanne... They asked, you know, if she needed a break with her her thing. Um, if they, she needed somebody to talk to to get her thoughts together. And in mm-hmm. walks Dr. Price again. Dr. Oh, what, P- a, what a fucking quinky dink. Dr. Price was a her psychiatrist long ago. Mm. And he's the one who actually diagnosed her with stuff. He, like, he knew how fragile she really was as a person. Um, so he could manipulate her. He was, yeah, he was a deputy. So Price actually was a, a deputy sheriff who also is a working psycholo- psychologist. Um, so whenever they needed law enforcement, needed to consult with psychologists, mm. they would get him. So he's part of also that sheriff's department. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, he actually is the one who diagnosed Joanne with all her problems back then before mm-hmm. this crime. He diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder with sociopathic features. Price, during an this trial he denies giving any false memories um price was also known to use hypnosis as a tool for cases back in the day Mm-mm-mm. so the whole dream i don't thing, feel like that should be legal the dream thing he literally used that on everybody he that's, told them all like you know that's like using a lie detector test mm-hmm. it just you, you can't mm-hmm Eventually, Deborah finally actually realized the truth and realized, oh, my gosh, I wasn't there. Yeah. Tom said that Dr. Price actually looked sad, and he actually felt bad for him. Um, he said with all the testimonies, like Bert, who just denied that he fucked up anything. Um, Dr. Price, uh, they even interviewed Dick to talk to him about, like, the cell mark um, and stuff like that. And out of all of them, he said Dr. Price actually looked sad for what he did. Like, he actually had remorse on his face. The rest of them just looked like, you guys are nothing but a bunch of fucking dead killers. Like, don't care about you. But Dr. Mm. Price actually had remorse on his face. He's like, it just looked, he looked sad. (laughs) You want to know how much more Dick was a dick? In the original trial, 
when Kathy was convicted, mm-hmm. Kathy was sitting in a room and she like waiting to go to her cell basically for the day. Yeah. For, for 10 years. And he walked in and he's like, how are you doing? She's like, I just basically signed away 10 years of my life. How the fuck do you think I'm doing? And he chuckled and he's like, huh. Between you and me, I always knew you were innocent. What? And walked away. I've got a lot of choice words, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> In the end, though, of this first trial for their civil thing, jury was hung. It was a mistrial, and they lost. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. June 2016, they got a new case. And this time they were going to take a different approach, a simpler approach, hone in on the mental states of the clients. They honed in on Deborah and how – because during the first trial, Deborah clammed up again. Mm-hmm. She she didn't know how to answer questions. She didn't know how to respond to things. She's probably fucking confused. She was – and that's what they used. They used her mental state as as the thing. So they would ask her simple questions like, what's your favorite color? What What's your favorite food? What you do? You know, stuff like that. And then they got Tom up there. And Tom's story broke my heart. They got Tom on. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to get up there. Mm-hmm. He was scared. Um... But they convinced him, just tell your story. Mm-hmm. Tell them everything. And he said he got up on stage. He focused in on one of the jurors and just told them everything. Tom was young. Mm-hmm. He had, he was skinny. Mm-hmm. You know, that 80s blonde hair. It was kind of long. Now, Tom now today is a larger man. He has no hair. Mm-hmm. Then he was a skinny man. He had hair, blue eyes. Okay. Cute kid. Tom's third day in jail, he was raped. Oh. And it never stopped. Mm. Repeatedly, he got it. And he figured once he started losing his hair, he started getting big, he would no longer look like the good fish on the block. But Tom has such a gentle heart. Like, listening to him speak, I don't know how anybody could ever think that he did anything then. I don't think how anybody could think he did anything now. He sounds... Like, the sweetest person in the world. And I know that sounds ignorant for me to say because, I mean, with Dahmer, I heard so many people say that about him. Yeah. But. <clears throat> I don't know how they felt like that. But anyways, we're not talking about him. Yeah. But it never stopped. Never. And he just let it all out. When closing statements came, you know, each of them gave their final statements. And someone had the fucking audacity to say that Tom Winslow deserved to get raped for going to prison for a sex crime, and it shouldn't be a surprise. 
it doesn't surprise me that somebody said that, unfortunately. Well, that sealed the deal for their defense because they won the case. Because of that statement. Good. And they won $28.1 million. Woohoo! Gage County couldn't pay that. Because <laughs> Gage County <laughs> is the one that they actually sued. They were going to sue a bunch of other people, but Gage County was, like, the only people who could actually pay pay it. Okay. You know? They tried to do bankruptcy. Couldn't. They wouldn't allow them. So what ended up happening, which is bullshit, they raised the taxes to pay to pay it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All the taxes. Property taxes. Now everybody in the town really fucking hates them. Yep. Sales taxes. Everything. To celebrate, they all went to Holly Pond um, at the White's Family Church near J- Joseph's mother's house. Joanne and her wife, Tom and his wife, were all there. Kathy, James, and Deborah were not there. Because, again, they weren't fucking friends. Yeah. They all had their own lives. Obviously, Helen's family's pissed. Because not only did they now have to lose their mother, or their grandmother, oh, some of them, their mother, the six are now out that were originally convicted that told people they did it. And now they have to pay them back with taxes. Yeah, I'd be fucking pissed. They're livid. And understandably so, those people, I completely understand why they would be so angry. I would be too. Gage County uh, did end up putting a production on about this this case. Okay. Uh, It was by their community theater. Uh Uh-huh. Who the hate that they got. That for this um people were threatening them saying whatever happened to helen deserves to happen to these people who are putting on this production mm-hmm. they're just as bad as the people who did the crime to helen they're disgusting they're this they're that like and it made this it made them scared and like terrified to do this production and they assured them they're doing everything they can to keep these people safe and they they did their production they did it after they announced to the production that anything you are hearing today is public record, you all can look this up yourself. We are just pretty much reenacting all the transcripts of what happened in the story. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, and they invited everybody, all the lawyers. They invited the original Beatrice Six. Yeah. Bert and him and everybody. Everybody that was involved with this crime. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And Helen's family. They'd put on the production. And at the end of the production, it ended with tears and embracement. Joe's mom was hugging Helen's family. Oh, wow. Okay. And there was a guy named Bob. Bob was very, he's a grandson of Helen's, was very like, no, no angry he was the one who wanted to beat everybody up he wanted to hurt everybody as badly as he hurt after he saw this production bob for the first time out loud said i think they might be innocent and his wife was like finally i can finally say it (laughs) because his wife always believed that they were but obviously for her husband's sake didn't want to say anything yeah um and he instantly was like, 
he felt bad for Joe. Because Joe, from the start, out of all of them, he felt bad for Joe. Because Joe, from the start, always said he was innocent. He never um, said anything, you know, whatever. um, Bob ended up meeting with Joseph's mother and his sister. Because they were in town Mm -hmm. for the play. Okay. And he apologized to her. For what had happened to her son and all the time that she had to lose out on with her son for something that he didn't do and he hopes that in time you know forgiveness can happen and things like that and instantly his mom's like he wouldn't Joseph wouldn't want me to stay angry mm-hmm <laughs> I'm sorry for what happened to your grandmother and that you guys had to go through what you guys had to go through. Yeah, they were both victims in this. And that's basically what they said. They had a whole two-hour conversation, just talking, getting to know each other. Bob um, ended up getting his family together because not all of them went to the play. But Bob was one of them. Mm-hmm. And one of them particularly said, that said, like, he stands with Bert. He's mm-hmm. very strong on this. Wouldn't come to Bob's. He's like, I just can't, I can't talk about this now with you guys. But he talked over the phone. And Bob had all the family together to tell them they're all wrong. And these six are innocent. And he finally believes it. Good. He's like, there's still a small bit of me thinking, maybe. And again, I think that's just them trying to hold on to some sort of closure. Yeah. He's like, but I... I don't think. Oh, the other guy's name was Shane. That's what his name was. Um, sorry, guys. Total squirrel moment. Um, <laughs> but he thinks he, they all were like, Shane, no, I I think they're innocent. I think we need to let this go. Yeah. We have to move on now. We have to let this go because the man who did it is dead. <clears throat> Shane, they all still love Bert. They don't, especially Shane, doesn't want to kind of hang him up. And the thing is, is like, you could still like Bert and admit he was wrong. I think it would, it, like, for me, if that was my family and Bert was our friend of the family that did all this, I think it would have come down to Bert's reaction to the facts and how the case ultimately went or the retrial ultimately went mm-hmm. and did Bert make an apology? Nope. So, no. Go fucking oh. fuck yourself. Sorry guys for the rustling of my papers again. Bert said DNA necessarily doesn't answer all the questions. Um, And a lot of pe- people believe that Bert needs to just admit he messed up and apologize. Yeah, he does. And it, that right there, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I could not. So, if you guys want to, like, learn a lot more, too, and get the more detailed stuff, there's the HBO series called um, Mind of a Murderer or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think that is what it's called. It's uh, six episodes about this whole story. And they're, the woman who created the, the documentary had Bert sit and watch it. And 
any time those six got on that screen to talk, he was so fucking disrespectful. And it came mm. to a certain part. He literally got up and walked away. And she stopped it. And she's like, he's like, oh, you don't have to stop it. I, I've heard all this. I'm not listening to this again. She's like, no, I want you to watch it. It's just, he, see, he didn't do this for the family. He did it for his own ego. That just says that right there. Yeah. He's just an egotistical prick. So then um, it came up to another par- point and he <laughs> started playing with his phone. So she paused oh it again. She paused it again. He's like, no, 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 I'm listening. I'm listening. I just need to. She's like, no, I want you to. I want you to focus. Yeah. And he's like, I'm focusing. It's fine. And she's like, well, wait. And he's like, I was just checking to see. He couldn't even tell her what he was checking. He just literally was put his phone away. And then he's like, okay, fine. And then they were talking about it some more. And Bert, at one point, said something to the fact of almost where he felt he'd made mistakes. In a nutshell, he admitted he made some mistakes. And his wife, you could see an instant relief in her. Like, oh my gosh, he finally said it. I'm so glad he finally said it. Now, Bert doesn't want to be remembered for the bad cop. Of the Beatrice Six case. Of course not. He he wants, honestly, for it to all just go away now at this point. Like, can we please move on? Yeah, because it made him look bad. But when he was on the other side of the table, he, he was boasting around the town. Exactly. So, whatever. Bert and Dick can go live together off in some other world where we don't have to deal with them. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Douche canoes. Doozy. that was a doozy yeah pisses me off okay I'm good I'm good I know let me tell you the emotional I cried doing my research I cried and I was watching those documentaries I was crying I probably would have wanted to punch my TV not the type to really cry but I am I'm a bitch yeah Thank you, fellow listener. I was listener uh, Hillary, who gave me this story. This is why I had to take it. I, I read this. I'm like, Whoa. yeah, this is a good one. I, I see why. Um, you know, we kind of like talked about it, and eventually we will go over this case. I'm still doing a lot of research on it, y'all, because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But it reminds me a lot of the West Memphis Three, and it's going to be down the road, so y'all will have to. Definitely keep on listening. Yeah. Keep following us. Yeah. Keep sharing. Yes. Keep the feedback coming. Keep, keep the suggestions. Keep drinks. the stories yeah. coming, guys. Like Beatrice 6, West Memphis 3. That's a doozy. Yeah. West Memphis 3 was also um, suggested to us by one of our listeners, yes. Stephanie. And yes. I read and sat and was, oh, I'm completely down that rabbit hole right now. So That's how I felt about this Beatrice one. Yeah, you get very passionate about these. Yes. I'm, I'm loving these. Like I said, I'm loving these these requests. Like, you guys are awesome for it. Thank you so You're much. You're nailing it. You're nailing it. <laughs> Thank you. That means you guys are following us also <laughs> on the social medias. I don't like this one anymore. Like, I've been drinking the um, pineapple one with the, with the Mio added to it. And this tastes like shit compared to this one. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't really care for either or. I don't I don't know if I would get these again. 
I wouldn't. I don't think we like hard seltzers. I think I think we need to stop. <laughs> you know what we need? Whiskey. Oh. I just drank a whole bottle of that this week. <laughs> and by this week, I mean three days. <laughs> it's okay. It tastes like butterscotch. <laughs> she just discovered peanut butter whiskey. Y'all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I drank it with the with the root beer, and it tastes like butterscotch. I'll have to try that. That does sound good. You know what? I was talking with, about it with uh, somebody at work. I got the idea from somebody at work. Somebody at work suggested me to drink it with Dr. Pepper. It tastes like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Totally did not really that much. Put it in my hot chocolate. I'm not a big fan of hot drinks and liquor, but I could see where that would be tasty. Yeah. Well, I love hot apple cider <gasps> with apple pucker. So. What about in a Yoo-Hoo? <gasps> no. <gasps> I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it, y'all. Oh, my gosh. Stay yes. tuned. Stay tuned, guys. Well, thank you guys all. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, share. Click that little bell in the corner. <laughs> Get all the notifications. Um, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.